Welcome to the Love Letters to Poe podcast. I'm Sarah Krokel-Smith, publisher and editor-in-chief, bringing you wonder and terror, romance and horror in this gothic fiction magazine. Each week, I'll be sharing a new gothic story or poem from the pages of Love Letters to Poe. You can find the original stories and poems, author interviews, your free copy of the magazine's inaugural issue, and much more at loveletterstopoe.com. Today's Gothic story is titled Her Fondest Wish, read by the author Jared Baker. The story can be found in Volume 1, Issue 9 of Love Letters to Poe. I hope you enjoy this haunting tale. Her Fondest Wish by Jared Baker I pen this final missive with no expectations, neither exoneration of my crimes nor even belief on the reader's part. Such simple prospects are luxuries beyond my means, and time, that most precious of all treasures, soon will be. The hangman prepares his gallows even now. In my years as a painter, I sought to depict the truth. I work in a lesser medium these last moments, but my aims remain unchanged. If the truths my words carry should see the coming sunrise that I never will, I shall be content with that hope. That hope, and one other. I met the widow Viscountess Belmont long before she wore either title. Despite our societal disparities, our families had some acquaintance, and we shared many triumphs and tragedies in youth. From my earliest years, I adored her, as time shaped her into a lady of esteem and myself into an impoverished artist, I learned we were not to be. Her family's fallen fortunes demanded that any romance consider coin as dearly as love, the wealthy beyond measure with the one I had precious little of the other. She consequently married the Viscount, whose station soared above mine as the stars above the firmament. I passed most nights thereafter in delirium, drunk on sorrow or spirits. I ached to see her, to bask in the glow of her smile again. I thought myself destined for the madhouse. Only my work brought me any comfort. But one evening, as lightning lanced the sky and a deluge pelted my tiny garret window, I heard a knock. As if in dream, the Lady Marion Belmont stood upon my threshold, pale loveliness and raven hair as I remembered, but a peculiar light burning in her eyes. Jonathan, she whispered, clutching a cloth sack to her breast. Will you see me? I have no right to ask, but I must. Viscountess, I bowed her into my humble chamber. Oh, burden me not with titles. We were friends, Jonathan. Thrill and despair cleft my heart at her words. I have a favor to beg, and precious little time. I blinked. How might I serve you, my lady? A commission, a portrait, Marion hefted her pack. With these materials, this very night. I objected. Such a feat was impossible, but she overrode me. This night, Jonathan, her liquid eyes held mine. If ever you cared for me, please hear me now. I did. She bore paints, brushes, and canvas, which I must employ for a portrait of the late Viscount. 
Both materials and time were crucial. The work demanded completion before the howling storm could break. As the sole painter of her acquaintance, no other could grant her this. When I questioned her, she would reply only that her eternal happiness depended upon it. Upon me. How was I to refuse? As a child, I could deny her nothing. I fared no better now. The paints were far thicker than I preferred, and the brushes ancient relics. Rough, discolored fibers wove through the canvas, making fine work onerous. Yet I agreed to her terms, for I wished so to see her smile again. For Marion's pleading directives, I was to depict her husband where he had asked for her marriage hand, overlooking the Thames at sunset. His clothing must be the finest, his expression joyful, his arm extended as if to embrace her. And yet, she was not to appear with him. These and a thousand other details she insisted upon, and vetoed a dozen sketches as I failed to match her fierce vision. Despite my joy at seeing her, I grew irritated at her insistence on both speed and perfection, even more so at her refusal to answer any questions I posed about her purpose or the need for such urgency. I cannot say, Marion rebuffed me each time. Do not ask me, I beseech you. When the floor was carpeted with rejected drafts, when resentment soured my affection and my last dregs of patience fled, she pronounced my design acceptable. I began work on the canvas, blocking in the scene as she wished. The thick, curdling pigments fought me, but I forced them through their labors. For her part, Marion monitored my progress on a continual pacing circuit of the room. This further frayed my nerves. At last, I suggested she might either peruse a volume from my shelves for distraction, or, and I could scarce believe my temerity, claim an hour or two of rest upon my cot while I worked. I expected a blush or a tongue lashing. Neither came. I cannot rest, Jonathan. Marion's voice was bleak, sick with despair I knew well. I have not known true slumber since my husband's death. I fear I never will again. You loved him. It was agony to admit. But he would never want grief to carry you after. Her blue gaze was glassy. I can no longer know his wishes. But my fondest wish is to be with him again. I flinched at this latest stab, but laid in the contours of the land, the water, the slinking shadows. As I brought forth the scarlet sunset, an equally red haze crept over my vision. Why could she not have loved me with such fervor? My hands trembled, and Marion's gasps of dismay at each ill brushstroke only fueled my gathering bitterness. Yet I persevered, keeping the feverish pace she demanded. Long past midnight, I paused to wipe the sweat from my brow and evaluate my work. Marion wrung her hands ceaselessly, her worried gaze returning always to the window as her ears sought the next thunderclap. Limbs aching with fatigue, my temper flared. Marion, I shall rip the canvas apart, I swore. I am only human, not God to grant your impossible desires. No, you must not. 
seizing me. Her fingers dug into my flesh with the strength of near madness. This is my last chance, Jonathan. Confusion fanned my anger, and I did the unforgivable. I struck her. The crack was deafening, and she recoiled as if shot. Blood dripped from her lip, and the silence and guilt threatened to smother me. But her eyes held no recrimination, only the painting and the storm. That obsession, from which even my sinful violence could not distract her, pulled me from my stupor. Marion, I... My voice was desperate and weary, as was my body. Only the final tense remain. The rest is done. I, I must clear my head, but I will return. Her gaze darted to the painting, then to me. It... it is finished? Yes. Yes, my love. All for you. Eyes welling with joyful tears, she flung her arms about me. Oh, thank you, Jonathan. I can never repay you for this kindness. I choked. I... I ask only your forgiveness. You have it. And my eternal gratitude. Still embracing me, she turned and regarded the painting as she might a saint's relic. For this, and for being my truest friend. Her final word was the final wound. With a cry, I tore free and fled into the night. When I returned, only my furnishings, my easel, and the portrait remained. I cried out for Marion and searched my rooms in vain. Silence. Thinking she had abandoned me once more, I snatched up the wretched work to cast it into the fire. And there, in the painting, I found her. Marion stood with the Viscount, watching the sunset. Nestled into his embrace, the happiest smile upon her lips. Her torn lips, with a crimson smear along her jaw. Impossible. Numb, I tried to paint over the wound, but it would not be concealed. The blood rouged her cheek as a testament to my love and my shame. I stared at her image, at her, until dawn. Few had known of her journey to me, as discretion and decorum demanded. But at length I was questioned, for none had seen her since that storm-stricken night. With the evidence found in my studio, blood thickening the paints, skin woven into the canvas, there was no room for doubt. I would hang, they said. Perhaps I should. For what is murder, if not removal from this world? It appears I am a murderer, even if I know not how. As I await the rope, questions still haunt me. Was our interlude real? Or did my years of alcohol-soaked longing curdle somehow into madness? Could I have plucked her from this life and wiped away my own memory of the deed? I cannot answer. When I began this testament, I spoke of hope. 
Though I hear the hangman's heavy-booted tread even now, though I shall never again lay eyes upon she whom I loved and who could not love me, perhaps hope is not yet beyond my grasp. Hope that these truths, however alien, will survive me. And hope that, whether by simple slaughter or unfathomable mystery, I have rendered my darling one final service. For I have granted her fondest wish. How many, save perhaps the devil himself, can truly claim the same? If you enjoyed this work of fiction, please show your love by leaving a review. Never miss another story or poem by visiting loveletterstopoe.com forward slash join. And if you want the party to continue, I invite you to Prince Prospero's Masquerade over at patreon.com forward slash loveletterstopoe. Until next time, embrace what lurks in the shadows. You never know what gothic adventure lay within.